Well, if you're here for the first time, we do welcome you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as, as you've been following along with us, we've been, we just finished the book of Romans. And, uh, and we took a look at that. That, uh, that was a journey. As I, as I said Sunday, it probably felt like it was a year and a half we were in the book of Romans, but it wasn't quite, uh, quite a year. But we will be uh, after tonight's service and on January 1st, which is starting of the new year, we'll have a New Year's uh, message. And then the following Sunday, Lord willing, if it be tarries, then we're going to start the book of 1 Corinthians. So you can certainly read ahead uh, in the 1 Corinthians and certainly follow along. Um, and I don't know if I've told you, but 1 Corinthians is one of my favorite books. And uh, I hope it becomes one of your favorite books as well as we study uh, that book. If you would, open up your Bibles uh, to the book of Luke. If you do not have your Bible with you, just raise your hand and the usher will make sure you have. Um, and well, that's where the majority of our emphasis will be on the message. Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 2. And we're just going to take the first few verses, but we're going to just uh, kind of, again... Uh, more of a topical message this evening uh, on the Christmas that we celebrate and the meaning behind that. The message tonight is called His Presence. Uh, many of us are anticipation or maybe have already opened up your presence on some of you and, uh, and received uh, uh, the, some, just a token of, of expressing of one's uh, love for another. And, uh, and we want, uh, and when we're younger, and I'm not saying younger in age, but sometimes younger in heart, the more the younger heart you are, oh, I can't wait the presents, and you, you can't even sleep the night before knowing that uh, the presents are going to be opened. But as we take a look at our message tonight, um, entitled His Presence, it's during this Christmas season we have a particular emphasis on this event that occurred 2,000, over 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years is a long time. And in a child's heart, just one day is a long time. If you tell a child something that's going to happen in a week, you really don't want to tell a child a week ahead of time. Because every day they'll remind you, is it happening? Today's the day? And you're like, oh, as a parent... No, we still have a few more days. It's going it's to come. So sometimes we have you know, that anticipation. It's best not to tell us not too far in advance. But after 2,000 years ago in a town of Bethlehem in Judea, which we refer to as Israel, an event took place that we refer to today as Christmas. And certainly this was a, a wonderful Christmas time that we celebrate this year because we reminds us of that event, and it should be the same reason why we celebrate the event that we call Christmas today, and that that event was the arrival of a form of a newborn baby, the Savior of the world, came into the world, and God made known to us his presence. Now, far too many people today think that the, the first time that God actually revealed his presence was when Jesus came and was born in Bethlehem. 
But if you've studied the scriptures, you know that that's, God has been revealing right from the very beginning of time. And let me highlight some of those things for you. So as you are as a study of the entire scripture, you will know some of these very clearly. Because actually Christmas brings to light the birth of Jesus that was prophesied in the Old Testament in many, many, many areas. But we sometimes don't fully understand the significance of Christmas and we do not understand the history of the Old Testament that has led up to this event we call Christmas or the birth of our Savior. And it's important that you make that link this evening because it's significant in your foundation of your faith. We need to back the story up a little bit because history means his story and it is all about Jesus. And I pray that tonight as we study the scriptures, the results of his presence will come to light and become the greatest and most preeminent presence in your life and become more recognizable every day as you live on this earth in anticipation of our return or our, our, our leaving of this earth and going to heaven. 661 times in the scriptures we are reminded of God's presence is holy. Holy is what God is, and it is not what we are. And yet it is the holy God who invites you and I into his holy presence, and God revealed his presence starting from the beginning of creation. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So God, who has always been holy, sacred, and separated, makes known to us, you and I, his presence on earth. First, by speaking, right from the very beginning of creation, he said, let there be light. And literally, there was, he said, light, and there was light. So God revealed his presence to the whole world in the creation of that. And immediately all creation lit up as, as so this holy God could be known to those who he would be creating. Now that miracle alone of God's presence of just speaking and flipping the light on into this world is amazing. But it doesn't stop there. He not only appeared through his speaking, but he also appeared in his own presence. He comes and he reaches down to man and he touches man with his presence. He comes in various ways that we'll see. In the very beginning, he showed his presence with the light turning on, but then he showed his presence with creating Adam and Eve. He took dust to create in man. He blew and he breathed life into the nostril of Adam and bring life to this man. And when he created this first man, this first Adam, God created Adam, and he didn't make him a puppet, but he made him a man so that he had the ability to choose and make decisions in his life. And one of the key things that God, as he walked in the midst of the garden with Adam and Eve, he made just one simple thing for them. Gave them some tasks to take care of the land and to name the animals. Did a, a few things. But one of the key things that we find in Genesis chapter 2 is he, God gave Adam instructions to obey him. I'm going to tell you something. Just obey it. 
Now, if you go back and you read today in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 15 through 17, Adam chose, however, to disobey God after God gave him the uh, direction, do not eat of the one tree in the midst of the garden. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. No touchy. It's, everything else is great to eat as free, free will. Not a problem. Just don't touch the one tree in the middle of the garden. And because Adam disobeyed God and he chose to eat that fruit, Adam was being the first member of the human race. Adam's choice did affect all of humanity. And the punishment of Adam's sin was death. Bodily death and immortality, his soul was separated from God at that point in the Garden of Eden. And not only did it affect Adam and Eve, but all of the descendants, you and I, called humanity. Now, if you don't know this and you haven't seen this or you haven't underlined this in your your Bibles, I highly recommend you underline Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God made a statement that actually sums up the message of the entire Bible and provided Adam and Eve hope in that time of desperation or separation from God himself. And he gave them this one thing that he says to them in Genesis 3.15. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And your, in, the, in your Bible should be a capital S there in the second seed because that's deity re- referring to Jesus Christ. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That was the key summarization of what God was about to do in revealing his presence from that Garden of Eden all to the time that we see today, especially the celebration we have, which is the birth of Jesus Christ himself. Now we continue, you can go into a little bit more in depth and you can go to Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. God is intending, he's going to be with us. And he made that very clear in the Old Testament. If you continue in Isaiah, you go down to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just as we lifted our voices and sang that truth just moments ago. His presence continued in the scripture. We saw in Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Enoch knew his presence. Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, Noah walked with God. Abram, in Genesis 17, 1, Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to Abram. Jacob, who God renamed Israel, that we see in Genesis chapter 32, verse 30. Jacob struggled, if you remember, he wrestled with God. And at the end of all that, Jacob then makes a statement, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Not destroyed. 
And Jacob, after wrestling with God, because Jacob wanted his own way, and God had, of course, is going to have his way, didn't at the end say, oh, I saw God face to face, and he's ruined my life. I'm destroyed. This is, this is the end of my life. It's, it's terrible. No, he actually said, my life has been preserved. It's forevermore. It's everlasting. Because when you come into the presence of God, your life is enriched. So many people today, oh, if I, if I have to, if I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, oh, my life, well, I have to give so much stuff up. My life will be changed, it'll be ruined. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen. See, you don't understand God and what he has for you. Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, God called to Moses from the midst of the bush, that burning bush that we all talk about. Exodus 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. We sang about that. I am. If there's any other words more clear to understand his presence than, than that, it's just I am. It's not someone who is a god of the past. If it's not a god of some figurine or something you put on a wall and says, oh, let's take it down and get something new up there. It's not a god that I need today because he's going to help me get more money or you know, keep me from you know, being healed from some disease or I need a god at this moment for this and that and then uh, put him away. I don't need him right now. Until you get to your next crisis. And you oh, God, I need you. And then you pull him out of the closet and you somehow hang him up. And now, you, oh, he's real to me. I need his presence because I'm in deep trouble. He's, I am. He's the one and only and forevermore. Ever, ever was, ever is. The Alpha and Omega. Moses had a moment at that time when he saw and he heard God speak to him. He had a choice. Would Moses believe God at that moment or would he not believe God at that moment? When God presented himself, his presence to him, would he believe God at that moment or will he not? He had a choice, just like Adam. Adam had a choice. God gave him the free will to choose to be in his presence and to believe him or not. Obviously, Moses could have easily turned away and, and not drawn near to God at that moment. He could have run away. He could avoid it. I did not see what I just about saw. I cannot believe it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not just not going to believe it. it just, I'm not even going to tell my friends. I'm not going to say anything because that, that's, just, that's just a coincidence. But he couldn't. God's presence was so real and so relevant and so personal that he could not ignore the fact that God was speaking to him from that bush. But he had a decision. And maybe you find yourself faced the same this, this evening, that same tension, that same this moment in the, 
in, in light that says, will I draw near to and accept God in his presence as he reveals things to me, as he reveals himself to me, or will I not? Will I ignore him again when he reveals himself to me, or will I worship him and accept him? Will I follow him and move forward in life, in this life he's given me, or will I go back and want to live my own life in the past? It's the decisions that we all are faced on a daily basis. We even see the prophets. God spoke through the prophets during this time in the Old Testament to, to get his word out to the people so they would hear and understand. Because God's word is so important for you and I even today as it was back then. Ever since the dawn of creation, it is through God's holy word that God's holy presence is clearly seen for you and I. It is through the word of God speaking to Moses through a bush that his presence was revealed to Moses. And God's presence is most clearly found for us in the pages of his word today. Oh, how many times people say, I don't hear from God. I don't know if God's real. I don't know if he's not answering this. I'm not sure what direction to take. And you, we have all these conversations we have in our head or we have with other people to the right and left. But you knew and I never stopped to stop and, and get in his word to hear from him and be in his presence so he can speak to us. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two, any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you see how powerful the word of God is to cut right through all the facade that you and I can have? All the worldliness that seems to be clouding us and covering us and, and smothering us at times? It's not going to be the counselor that had the latest psychobabble that they want to share with you. It's not the latest food craze or anything else, an exercise regime that's going to help you get out of the funk you find yourself in. Or the clarity that you need because you're in a cloud. It will only come by being in his presence, which means being in his word and hearing from him of what he has for you for that moment or for direction of the steps you must take for the future. The power of God's word, this is not some just some book. It is God's word, and the word of God is the presence of God. In fact, Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. There's security when you put your trust in him. Luke 4, 4 says, Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Even Revelation 19, 13, he says, he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Do you believe? 
Do you believe you can be in God's presence today? Because his word is alive. He is present. I mean, I understand. This is so contrary to today's post-Christian society that we live in. The society that we live in today says the Bible is boring. The Bible is not living and breathing. It is so old-fashioned and historical. It is not even a historical book at, at best. It's just some things that people put together over time. You can't trust it. Christmas, oh, forget Christmas. It's just, it is just a, it's not even worth even pondering on Christmas. Put an X in front of it. Call it holidays. Call it anything other than Christmas because Christmas has no value today. Christmas is dead, and so why would even spend time even thinking about this? But this is the twisted world of society that we live in today. Wrong will be right, and right will be wrong. But God's word is boring to the people who choose not to want to be in his presence. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. It is a heart issue. When you find the word of God being boring, it's because your heart is not right, not because the word is boring. The word of God is far from boring. They took the Bible and did it from, from cover to cover and played out a movie and all the dynamics and all the lives. It would be quite the movie played out. It is not boring. And I can assure you nothing is boring about being in the presence of God. Anyone who is being led to believe that the Bible is boring is being led to believe by an unbelieving world. That person has chosen to listen to the things of this world and not to the things of God. It's pretty simple, my brothers and sisters. It's very simple. When you listen to the world, you won't sense his presence. But when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. It's a promise in the scripture. But you have to take the step to seek after him, to be in his presence. And that is through the word of God. Now we get to a point, we've seen so much in the Old Testament of the revealing of the Messiah and the, and the Messiah would come in the form of a baby. Then we get into the New Testament and this is where I'll draw your, your eyes to Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 14 and follow along with me here. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census verse took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. 
So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What a moment. You're a shepherd. You're just outside the walls of the, the temple and down the road and hang a right in that field. Just like you're always every night taking care of the the sheep that would be then taken to the temple for sacrifice for to to, to God. And here they are that night, there they are taking, taking care of these sheep. These are special sheep. These are incredible sheep. Why? Well, because they've been filtered out and they have selected, handpicked by God Himself or the and the people who oversaw that to make sure these perfect sheep were without blemish. They were perfect for the sacrifice because it had to be that way. And these shepherds were watching over these sheep. When all of a sudden, they had a visitor. Now, the great theologian Linus of Charlie Brown Christmas The shepherds were watching over their flocks by night. But have you ever wondered about that night? Have you ever wondered about what the shepherds were really thinking at that moment in time? As you can imagine, there must have been, there is so much more to the story than what maybe the world is presented through uh, Charlie Brown Christmas story. Yes, Lucy might think she's so wise, and Linus, and Charlie Brown himself, and what they're communicating, but I assure you, as you study the scriptures, there's more to the story. The Bible is very clear that these sheep and these shepherds were specifically picked by God to reveal what was about to happen. Isn't it fitting that God went to probably at that point in time in history, in that point in time society, shepherds were the lowest of the lowest in that society. They looked, everyone looked down on shepherds. They're smelly, they're dirty, they bought sheep. They were not known to be the most gentle, loving kind of guys out there as shepherds. 
they had to beat off bears and wolves and everything else. These were not the most gentle, loving kind of guys. They were known to probably, as we see historically, eh, maybe take a few things and you know negotiate in their own way to get things to try to get ahead because they weren't taken care of very well. But God went to them. Those who would not want to associate with certain people like shepherds, God went to them. Didn't go to the rich and the famous, the wealthy. They didn't reach out to tell the good news and good tidings and what was to happen just to those who have money so maybe somehow you will get more money. It was for all people. But we find just that these sheep, these shepherds, We're going to be used as the announcement platform of the arrival of the presence of God to this fallen world. Because this occupation represented all of us who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us need forgiveness. All of us need that atoning forgiveness that the sheep represented that night. Now, the sheep was temporary. They had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of sheep ready to be slaughtered for sacrifice. Meeting all the requirements of the priest before they could be used for the sacrifice. Blemished free meaning all the requirements. But when they slaughtered and they sacrificed those sheep and the blood was poured or sprinkled across the, the altar, it was a temporary covering of the sins of the nation of Israel. They had to keep going over and over and doing that sacrifice over and over and over. Because they needed their, their forgiveness of the sins and that sacrifice at that time was the toning of, of forgiveness for the people of Israel. But God's plan all along, as we've seen right from the very beginning of time in Genesis, that that was temporary because he, God, was going to send the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world forever and ever. A one-time sacrifice. That perfect lamb. God's plan was to provide a lasting gift that would remove us or from us our sin as far as the from the east, from the west, from with by the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And that's what Christmas is all about. The gift of his priceless presence in the form of a baby. And with the assurance of the angels, the song of his arrival, Jesus' arrival rang out throughout the countryside, for this was the very particular shepherds from what a sight must, been, it must have been. When that communicated to them, this is a sign and this is what's going to happen, a Savior will be born tonight. And the shepherds must have been, wow. God revealed that to me. Wow. 
Those shepherds all day, every day watched over the lambs of God. This is a regular routine. This is what they do for a living. We get the sheep. They look over the sheep. They decide when the blood is free. They tell us to go out of the field. We sit all night long. We keep the wolves away, the bears away, whatever it is. We protect them. And then we bring them in the, for the sacrifice the next day. These are God's lambs. These are what we're going to be using to sacrifice for God. But not this night. This night, they were going to be revealed that it will be the Lamb of God who will be born. And that's why we call and we celebrate Christmas. The birth of Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the ancient prophecy and the, the hope and the promise of the, a beautiful, wonderful future is in a child that would be born of a virgin. A virgin birth is a, such a fundamental and critical doctrine of our faith. And that is being attacked today in every form you can find. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says... And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus. His name, Joshua or Jehovah saves. This is the purpose of his life. Jesus was born as a savior. God came to this earth in the person of Jesus to save his people from their sins. Salvation. He is our salvation. He is here to save you and I. Why? Why would he do that? A sinful people. Why would he do that? Well, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, tells us why Jesus himself had to come and be born and then ultimately go to the cross to die for the sins of the world. It says right here in Acts 4.12, it says, nor is there salvation in any other. There is no other salvation. He is the salvation. He's the only one is salvation. There's no one, even though today there's many who will rise up in religious forms and say, they're the salvation. They're the Christ. They're the Savior. Follow me. Give me your money. Follow me. I'll take you with all these promises. But there was only one who was salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. And in Scripture, is very clear that he was no other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So if you find, you hear, and you listen, or someone whispers in your ear that says, you don't need to know Jesus, and you don't need to say his name, you don't need to represent him, just use God, and you can use any name of God, and you can, whatever it is, it's all the same God. That is false, people. Don't believe the lies of this world that you see today, and it's so prevalent. Even in the Christian circles that you think should be safe, there are people who will subtly say, you really don't need to say the name Jesus. Be very aware of subtleness from the world or people who will come to deceive or to divide. 
Because the scripture is very clear. There is no other name under heaven given among men which, by which we must be saved. There is one way, the way. Because we want God's presence. Because God's presence will either be fully realized or fully missed based upon your belief and acceptance of his presence. Did you hear that? You will have a choice. And most, if not all here tonight, have chosen his presence, chosen Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want his presence. You want him to live and reign in your life. You want him to be the one that's directing your footsteps. You want that path so straight and so lit that it is so clear that his peace and joy will fill your life. There will be such tremendous good tidings that the scripture has promised for those who choose to be in his presence. Those who choose to trust and believe in him, the word. That choose the way. Well, there's only one way. It's not difficult. I kind of love it. The God that only gives us some really simple people there's only one way. You don't have to look and figure out the maze and, and there's 10 ways and which way is better for you. And he, no, he didn't look, it's not like a grocery store. You walk in and say, oh, I need to get some milk. And then you look at milk and there's 10 different brands. And, and I don't know. As a man, I'm like, I don't know. Did she say 2%, 1% full milk? What brand? Okay, go for the price. I know I'm supposed to go for the price. But that's what people do today. I want religion. I want something good in my life. I want the family to stay together. So which one is going to cost me the least? And what is going to be the most simplest? And what can I do the, you know, less of just so that I can still have it? Well, God gave you one way. And he just said, follow me. He doesn't ask you and I to do anything other than that. Follow me. Put your life, trust me. And those who truly believe, those who truly trust Jesus, they just obey and follow. But what about this, Pastor? What about, what, do I can't do this or can't go? He didn't say that. He just makes it very simple for you and I. Choose to be in my presence. Follow me. Can we do that? It's pretty simple, is it not? And it's a daily walk. So every time you wake up in the morning, you make a choice. I choose to follow you. I want to be in your presence all day long. I don't want to drift to the left or to the right. I don't want to turn around and go back. Because your presence is going that way. And I don't want to go any other way than being in his presence. Will you ask God to reveal his presence to you tonight? As we come to the table, as we come to sit and commune with our Heavenly Father this evening, will you choose to be in his presence? We come to communion, we do three things. As we're worshiping in song, as we're praying, three things should run through your mind. 
No, not the goodies outside. No, no, that's later, afterwards. No, no, not the presents you have to rip open and try to delicately keep the paper for, no, no, no. You ponder on his presence in three aspects. Be thankful of what he has forgiven you in the past. Thank him and ask him, Lord, is there anything wicked way, anything wrong in my heart that is residual, that is not right with my attitude and my heart toward other people and toward you? Or I want that settled. Reveal what that is, Lord, that I'm not right with so that he can reveal it to you and then you just lay it right at his feet and say, Lord, I know you died for that for me and I, 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 I give it to you. I recognize that sin. It's wrong. And the third thing is, Lord, I know of your promises for a future. And I'm going to glorify and thank you that you're going to come back soon for me and take me home. And I'm going to be in your presence. I can't wait for that hug. I can't wait to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Those are the three things I need you to ponder on. Be thankful that the fact that you've been forgiven for your past, your present, and any sins in the future. But be thankful of the forgiveness. Ask him to reveal the things that you need to change in your life as you sit at the table. What things need to be revealed to you? What part of the house, what room of your house that needs to be opened? then he already knows it needs to be cleaned out. But he doesn't force his way. He lets you make a choice to allow him to do the work. And then thank him and be thankful and, and be worshipful in the fact that you are going home to be in his presence. That's what communion is all about. You're communing, your communion with your heavenly father.